58. Uh, I did get an opportunity to call and check on Gary Douthat. Uh, Brother Gary's doing well. He did evacuate from his house and went to another beach in Florida, I guess on the other side. And um, he said that so far all is well, and he was watching his house on the Wi-Fi uh, through security cameras, and uh, but the electric went out, so did away with that. So, uh, but at any rate, he, he's safe, and that's that's what's important. So, they are being hammered. So, if you would remember to to uh, pray for them, I'm sure they would love to have your prayers. Okay. All right. Uh, let me remind you, October the ninth, Sunday, October the ninth, will be our uh, fall family fun day, and uh, we'll meet here normal time for morning service. We'll have morning worship service. Brother Keith Matheny will be preaching in that service. It'll be a wonderful time. He's a great preacher. If many of you all have not heard him yet, you'll enjoy him. He's like family. Um, then we'll go home and meet back at the camp at 1 o'clock. We're asking you to bring a covered dish. Sister Leslie's put a post on our Facebook page. If you would please uh, put on there what you would bring, that would be wonderful. They're trying to organize so that we don't have uh, 28, two liters of pop and nothing to eat. So <clears throat> if you would please uh, make sure you check that out for us we'd appreciate it yes i did not i apologize i did not check on Stephen Tanya. they're a little north they're they're inland and north so yeah so maybe try to check on them this evening but thank you for reminding me all right isaiah chapter 38 let's go to the lord in prayer and we're going to study this first i think you'll find it very interesting tonight father we again thank you for your grace and your mercy we count it a blessing to be in your house and we're just so mindful of all the wonderful things you have done on our behalf. We are thankful for the kids across the street in Awana, the Awana workers. And um, we just thank you for what you're doing over there, the excitement, the enthusiasm. And Lord, we just pray tonight that as we open your word, that you would speak to us, that we would hear from your word, we would see what you have in store for us, that we would experience your word Lord, we, we can't understand this without your Holy Spirit guiding us. So I, I ask you, Father, to speak through me. I pray that you'd fill me up and that you would be glorified. Lord, help us to understand this matter of prayer and how important it is. Again, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of tonight's study is One Prayer, Two Answers. One Prayer, Two Answers. I have often been intrigued by prayer and it's hard to take and build a whole understanding of prayer, what the Bible says as a whole about prayer, in one or two verses of the Bible. You have to take the whole, the whole Bible and understand it. But tonight, uh, I, I want you to see something, and I hope that this will help you in your prayer life. It sure has helped me, and it's, it's very encouraging when you see this. Uh, verse 38 uh, Chapter one, uh, chapter thirty-eight, verse one. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, "Thus says the Lord: Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live." Wow, that's not a very popular message, is it? No, the prophet was to give what God had given him. And I love how the Word of God distinguishes false prophets from true prophets. 
True prophets always begin their message by, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. And this is wonderful. Hezekiah was a good king. He was one of the few good kings that Judah had. Mostly Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, they had all bad kings. After the kingdom was divided, southern kingdom, Judah, they only had a few good good kings in, in the lineage. And Hezekiah was one of those good kings. And the prophet Isaiah comes to Hezekiah, the king, and Hezekiah is sick, he's near death, and he tells, listen, you're going to die. You're going to die. Not the message he wanted to hear. You are going to die. That's what the Lord says. Now, I can imagine that Hezekiah was probably heart sick. I can imagine that he perhaps thought that all hope was gone. God says, I'm finished. What do you do in life when you don't get the news you want? What do you do? Being a Christian does not insulate us from problems. We still have the same problems that everyone else has. We Christians, like non-Christians, will struggle with health issues. We will struggle with family issues. We will struggle with all kinds of issues. And what do we do when we feel like there's nothing we can do? I believe that Hezekiah was perhaps desperate. I think for once in his life he was broken, and you'll see in just a moment why I say that. Say that. Look at verse 2, if you would, please. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. Hezekiah's first response was to pray to the Lord. How often in my life, and perhaps maybe in yours, when trouble comes, we seek to rectify the situation ourselves, and as a last resort, we turn to prayer. Maybe the, the, uh, the severity of the situation caused him to immediately turn and go to the Lord. I don't know. But he did. But I want you to see his prayer. I find his prayer quite uh, confusing. Verse 3, and he said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Hezekiah's prayer is a bit self-absorbed. His prayer... He's the hero. In essence, it's almost like he's calling God out. God, I've remember, remember me. I've walked before you in truth with a loyal heart. I've done what's good in your sight. Lord, I'm serving you with everything I have. Why should I have to deal with this? If I'm serving you and I'm doing all these things, why am I having this trouble? You ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like the more you do for the Lord, the worse it gets? Boy, I have before. And what do we say when the walls come tumbling down? God, I'm just trying to serve you. You see, we look at prayer from our point of view. We don't look at prayer 
from God's point of view. And I think that's the number one problem with prayer. We don't understand it from God's point of view. Uh, there's a prominent preacher. I say he's prominent. Um, I don't think much of him as a preacher. In his message, in his way of always being positive, he said that Hezekiah went to the Lord. God had told him he was going to die. And Hezekiah went to the Lord and being the man of God that he was, he went to the Lord and God changed his mind. He said, he said Hezekiah changed God's mind. That's heresy. The Bible says that God changes not. God is not at our beck and call. Somehow we have got this all messed up where we are the ones in control and God is to do what we want Him to do. Maybe you have prayed, God, do this and this and that and this. Rather than letting God tell us what He's going to do. This is a problem in our churches. We have this view of God as some cosmic genie in heaven waiting to give us our every need and keep us from having any kind of difficulties and any kind of troubles. And what that does is that takes away from the sovereignty of God. Think about this. The sovereignty of God. Is God sovereign? Absolutely is sovereign. Just take a story we're all familiar with. How many of you know the story of Jonah and the great fish, right? The whale. All kinds of people are debating over this. Oh, my goodness. They're arguing over a whale and could a whale swallow someone and blah, 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 blah. And all these scientists chime in and do all this. Let me tell you something. You missed the biggest part of the story. The same God that created the tempest winds is the same God that created the big fish is the same God that created the little worm that ate the gourd, that, the tree that he was sitting under and he was pouting after. It's the same God. He made everything and in his sovereignty, he uses those things for his will and what he wants to do. In our churches, we've got this messed up. It's about us. And I've heard things said from pulpits. And perhaps in my early days, I said things in my ignorance, not knowing that God is the hero of the story. Not us, not the church, not me, not you. God is. He's the hero. And so Hezekiah turns his face. And there's two things in his prayer he does well. Notice what the Lord says. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, verse 4. Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. Every word is important. Pay attention. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. God says, Hezekiah, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. What does this imply? This implies three things. Number one, it implies humility. He's broken. Number two, 
And number three, he's dependent. If you want to be an effective prayer, you're going to have to learn to go to God in humility, brokenness, and dependence upon Him. All too many times in our lives, we try to tell God what He needs to do to fix the situation. Has anyone else done that, or am I the only one? Sure we do. And we forget that this is the God that created the heavens and the earth. This is the God that created me. Surely He knows what's best for me. As He told Job, where were you when I formed this earth? I've heard your prayer. He doesn't say because you were uh, walked in before me in truth and because you had a loyal heart. No, that's what Hezekiah said about himself. God never said that. God said because you prayed and because your tears, I'm going to give you 15 years. You see, here's the issue. It was nothing that Hezekiah did. It was God's mercy and His faithfulness and His grace that answered the prayer of Hezekiah. Alec Motyer, in his commentary on Isaiah, says this, and I quote, The ground of answered prayer is not human faithfulness, but divine faithfulness. In other words, you're not going to get your prayers answered because you do all the good stuff and you're faithful. Because the Bible tells us we're not as faithful as we think we are. No, the Bible tells us that the God answers on the ground of His faithfulness, on the ground of His mercy, on the ground of His Notice verse 6. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. I find this fascinating. We don't know exactly, other than what the scripture tells us, that he says, I've walked in, front, I've walked in, in loyalty and truth and, and all such as this. And he weeps bitterly. We don't know what else he asks, but God says, listen. I'm going to answer you with two, two, request, or two answers. And listen, this is the way God is. Was it not Solomon, King Solomon, when he was starting out? God says, ask whatever you want. He asked one thing. What did he asked for? Wisdom. What did God give him? Wisdom, riches, and fame. Because you didn't ask me for riches and fame, you only asked me for wisdom, I'm going to give you both wisdom, riches, and fame. Interesting, huh? Do you know that the Bible says and teaches us in Ephesians? And the Bible goes completely together, always together. There's no, no uh, coincidences. Ephesians 3.20, and I read, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask, one request, two answers, or think according to the power of, that works in us. You know what the mystery of prayer is? 
The mystery of prayer to me is that God answers any of our prayers. Because He doesn't answer based on our goodness. He answers on the basis of His goodness. And this is important. God didn't say because you have a loyal heart, because you've walked before me in truth, nothing Hezekiah did, nothing he did changed God's mind. As a matter of fact, God's mind never changed. How do I know that? Because in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 16, God promised David his throne would be established forever. And when God addresses Hezekiah, he says, Isaiah, you go tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. Why did he bring David into it? He brought David into it to remind Hezekiah that God is keeping his word. It was always his plan to heal Hezekiah. God didn't change his mind. Hezekiah didn't change God's mind. It was in the promise. It's in the answer to the prayers of his people that the Lord performs his faithful mercies and keeps his promises. What a wonderful thought. God answers my prayers based on his mercy. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll be praying and I trail off. I'm like, squirrel, y'all think, I mean, that's the everyday, multiple day for me. And then when I do see a squirrel, I'm like, squirrel. Um, His goodness and his faithfulness is why God answers prayer, not me. It's nothing about me. I can only come to him in brokenness. I can only come to him in humility. I can only come to him in dependence upon him. And when I do, as illustrated by Hezekiah's weeping, as his turning his face away from everyone else toward the wall, and praying to the Lord, God says, I'm going to do two things. One prayer, two answers. What's the one prayer? He cries out. God says, I'm going to give you 15 years. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Secondly, verse 6, I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. Why? Why is he going to do that? Because he already promised David that his throne will be established forever. Hezekiah is in the line of David. God is keeping his word. And... We don't have these today, but he said, And furthermore, I'm going to give you a sign. Look at verse 7. And this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow on a sundial which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz. Ahaz was his father who was an ungodly king. He built a sundial. And he said... The sun is going to go back 10 degrees, 10 steps, 10 degrees on the sundial. And guess what happened? It did. It did. And I don't want to get into all this, but there's some calculations later 
later on in the Bible where people were trying to figure it out and they had a problem, they couldn't, it wouldn't add up. But they forgot about it going back 10 degrees and how that changed the number. And I don't want to get in there and get it all wrong, but it's interesting how it all fits together. But now I want you to see something because this literally changes Hezekiah. Please follow along with me. Verse 9. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and he had recovered from his sickness. We get to read Hezekiah's journal, his diary. It's interesting, when I was a kid growing up, my sister had a diary that she had a lock and a key to and she didn't want anybody to see it. Now we have Facebook and everybody wants to see it. Or everybody gets to see it, I should say. But we get to see the king's personal diary. Notice what he writes, verse 10. I said, when? In the prime of my life, I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I'm going to die. I'm deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, in the land of living. I'm no longer going to be able to see the Lord now in the land of living. I'm going to go to him. I shall observe no more among the inhabitants of the world. My, li- my lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me from off the loom. From day until night you make an end of me. I have considered until morning like a lion. So he breaks all my bones from day until night. You make an end of me. What, 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 what? Let's rewind that. Say that again. You make an end of me like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fell from looking upward. O oh Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake me. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. Hezekiah changes his eyes from himself to the Lord. Now he's no longer saying, I'm walking in righteousness, and because of my righteousness, God's answered my prayer. No, he broke me. And because he broke me, I understand now that I am dependent upon him. What shall I say? He spoke to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years. Why? Because of the mercy and the goodness of the Lord. In bitterness of my soul, O Lord, by these things men live. And in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. Really? So... Hezekiah is starting to understand that it's because of what the Lord has done. I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol can't thank you, death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. The Lord was ready to save me, therefore we will sing my songs with stringed instruments. 
all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. He changed. One from telling the Lord, Lord, how are you going to do this to me when, I, when I've served you and I've walked before you in truth and you need to answer my prayer because I'm such a good Christian king. To, Lord, you've broken me. My eyes fail from looking upward. Humility. Oh, Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me because I can't do it myself. I'm not as good as I thought I was. Because you have done this, Lord, and you alone have done this, I shall walk carefully all my years. How do you walk carefully? You walk in humility. You walk in brokenness. You walk in dependence upon God. See, we're never, we're never supposed to take the role of God. We're never supposed to take the glory from God. We are to keep our eyes on Him. And if I may, just quickly, three quick things, points of application. Number one, God's sovereign. And because He's sovereign, He answers my prayers and your prayers according to His goodness and His mercy, not my righteousness. I am not good enough to get any of my prayers answered. God answers my prayers because He is good. Now, the Bible does teach in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Sin, open, rebellious, sin, unconfessed, will hinder my prayer life. But I tell you this, the answer to God, God always answers prayer. we got to stop letting Garth Brooks give us the theology for prayer. Thank God for unanswered prayers. God always answers prayers. You may not like the answer, but he answers prayers. And I know you like Garth Brooks, and, and I like Garth Brooks. It's okay. It's just a song. He wasn't trying to be a theological. But some people take it that way. God is sovereign. And because he's sovereign, he answers prayers according to his goodness and mercy, not my righteousness. You know why? It's the same author that says, our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. It's exactly right. Number two, God's answer is always exceedingly and abundantly more than we ask. Please hear me out. God is not obligated to answer your prayer the way you want it answered. He's God. We're not. <coughs> he, is, he is God and we're not. One prayer, two answers. Go through the Bible and see when men approach the Lord in brokenness, when men approach the Lord in humility, when men approach the Lord in dependence and women approach the Lord in that manner, God always gave them exceedingly abundantly more than they asked. Number three, our response 
to the answers of God's prayers based on His goodness and His faithful is I shall walk carefully all my years. I shall walk carefully all my years. Guys, real prayer is not talking in some heavenly language that nobody understands. I don't, I'll be honest with you. I'm not even real comfortable praying in public out loud. The most sincere prayers I have is when I'm alone with God and I can just talk to God. I don't have to use big Christian words. I, don't have to, I can be real. I can be genuine. I can be humble and broken and dependent upon the Lord. And I find that in our churches we got this misguided thing about prayer. And the big misconception about prayer is that if I could just be better, God would give me what I want. That's not it. I, uh, when I was a, a little fella, I would ask things of my parents. My parents would always do what was best for me. Now, I may not understand that because I was childish. And being childish, I wanted what I want, right? Is that how children are? I want what I want. But my parents knew enough because they knew the big picture that they were going to do what was best for me and what was best for me was not always what I wanted. You and I can't see past here. When we're in difficult times, all we see is that difficult time. And we think the best way to overcome this difficult time is if God would just remove that difficult time out of our lives. Just kind of lift us out and put us on the road to happiness. But that's not always what's best. And God is sovereign, and He's not sitting up in heaven saying, Oh, that's a good prayer request. I never thought of that. That's ridiculous. God has never had a thought occur to him. There's never been a time when God has to say, Oh, I didn't see that coming, or I didn't think about that. Oh, that's a good one, Kenny. No. No. God made everything, and everything exists because of God. And prayer is us humbly broken in, in, in brokenness and brokenness and humility and dependence upon the Lord asking God thy will be done and he is exceedingly he is able to ex do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask real prayer is that we approach God Sincerely, humbly, broken, and dependent. And God answers according to His sovereign will.
That's real prayer. Is it wrong to ask God? Absolutely not. But it is wrong to barter with God. Well, God, you know, I serve, I, I gave today. I gave, I gave a tithe this month, so I shouldn't be having automobile repairs. I mean, sometimes don't we act that way? God, I'm trying to be faithful to you. Why, why is this? You know, why is that? God, I've, uh, this is a big one. This is a big one. I've been with families, and I, they, Pastor, I've done everything to raise my children under the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And they're just not interested in church. I don't know what, what to do. Well, you, you've done what you can do. You trust in the sovereignty of God. You love them. You pray for them. And you, you continue to pray for them. You continue to point them back. But you sovereignly, you trust in the sovereignty of God. Is it easy? It's easy to preach. But it's extremely difficult to live. But nowhere... Where do we get the idea it's supposed to be easy? You think it was easy for Adam to know that his son killed his other son? You think that was easy? You think it was easy for Abraham to lay the son <clears throat> that he prayed for? He and Sarah had prayed for for so long to lay him on the altar and to draw his knife to be obedient to God, you think that was easy? No. You think it was easy for Noah to build an ark when it had never rained in the middle of the desert and people were laughing at him? Man, you're a drunk madman. Part of that was right. He was, got drunk afterwards. But um, you think any, nothing is easy. Nothing's easy. That's why prayer is so more intriguing to me. Let God be God. He is sovereign. Don't try to go in and tell him how to answer the prayer. Just humbly, in brokenness, and in dependence upon him, cry out to him. And he will answer based on his goodness, his faithfulness, his mercy, and in his sovereign will. And that, to me, is exciting. Because now I know that even when I've messed up, God still hears me. If I'm sincere, if I'm humble, if I'm broken, and I'm dependent, I can't mess it up. And then you get in the New Testament and you find out that the Holy Spirit's taking those prayers that are all broken and dismantled and we just sound like we don't even know what we're talking about here when we pray it and we're all worried about it and the Holy Spirit packages and presents them to the, Holy, to the Heavenly Father. Isn't that wonderful? You can't mess it up, guys. Where we mess up is when we tell God how to answer our prayer and we start telling God, God, I've been faithful, and because I've been faithful, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, that, and that, and so on and so forth. That's rubbish. That's rubbish. Let God be God. Hezekiah changes from God. Remember how... Oh, oh, Hezekiah, I had completely forgotten how faithful you were. I'm complete, I had completely forgotten that you were the one that came in and you tore down all those idols and I forgot all about that, Hezekiah. Daggone it. No. And I know I'm being silly, but that's the way we act sometimes. 
Remember, God, I did this for you. I did that for you. Don't do that. Hezekiah changed from, oh, God, you broke me. You broke. He breaks all my bones from day until night. You make an end of me. See, we got to get to the end of ourselves before we experience the sovereignty of God. So, I challenge you this. Just be humble. Just be broken. And just be dependent upon God. Cry out to Him. He is good. He will answer. And His answer will be will, will be exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever even ask. Isn't that great? I love it. You know why? I can't mess it up. Now, I could if I approach from the way of God, I'm this is what I want you to do for me. Yada 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 yada. No. So thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. I uh, finished Jeremiah and whoo. Uh, Jeremiah was a good book, but whoo, whoo, it was tough. When you're studying in Isaiah and you're pre teaching out Isaiah and teaching out um, Ecclesiastes and you go through um, Jeremiah and you're reading and sometimes you're wondering, Lord, am I ever going to get through this? But can I just tell you this? Lamentations, it's the lamenting. It's the lamenting of Jeremiah, the prophet that preached all those years without one, not one convert. They call him the weeping prophet. And his lament, he says this in chapter 3, verse 22, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. The only reason you and I are not consumed is because his, his Compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. Isaiah gets it. Jeremiah gets it. Do we get it? It's because of His mercy. That we're not consumed. So go to the Father. Cry out to Him. Get alone with Him so you can talk to Him personally. You don't have to use gibberish, religious gibberish. Get alone with the Lord and talk to Him. Cry out to Him. Do so humbly. Do so with brokenness. And do so with dependence upon Him and experience the goodness of God. Isn't that wonderful? Man, I hope you love God. I hope you love Jesus. I hope you leave here with a sense of, of eagerness to talk to Him, to cry out to Him. In your deepest, darkest days, cry out to Him. He is never more than a prayer away from you. And you know what? I think, I can't prove it, my speculation based on the text, I think Hezekiah needed a gut check. Hezekiah had gotten a little big for his britches. How many of you ever heard that? 
he had some spiritual victories and he became a giant in his own eyes. And he realized that he needed to be broken. And God says, listen here, Buster, it's not because you're some great king and you did all this. That's what you should do. Why is it in Christianity we act like you deserve a great reward for doing what you're supposed to do, right? Why in the world do you become employee of the month when you just do what you're paid to do? It doesn't make sense to me. In Christianity, why don't we just do what we're supposed to do? And so he says, I had to come to the end of me and maybe... The thing that stands between us and God and becoming great prayer warriors is we have to come to the end of ourselves. Then we can pray great prayers. I'll never forget a story told by one of the guys whom I taught. He didn't, I learned his method of Bible study in Bible college. But he taught most of the guys how to study the Bible that I listened to. Dave Jeremiah, Chuck Swindoll, anyone that ever went to Dallas back in those days. He taught them how to study the Bible. Howard Hendricks said this. Howard Hendricks was a passionate man. He loved the Lord and he had won a new fellow to Christ. And he brought him to church. He said, hey, I want you to come to the men's prayer meeting with me. And they went to this men's prayer meeting. This guy was fresh, green, new, never been around church or anything. They all sat in that circle in that uh, room and they all went around the room and prayed and it got around to him and Dr. Hendricks just kind of nudged him and the guy looked at him and he, he went, God, uh, this is so-and-so. Uh, I met you last night. He said, I, I just, I'm new at this. All I know is I need you and I love you and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I just need help. Help me, please. And he said, amen. And he said, right there in that moment, I realized his prayer was more sincere than all those guys gabbing in there. May we, may we become that kind of prayers. Amen. Can I pray and then we'll, have, we'll turn that off because they can't hear you at home when you ask that question. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy.